Good evening, lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, Candy, and Creative. Our creative tonight is music promoter and producer Dave McLean. Dave grew up in Dundee, Scotland, and started promoting gigs in the local nightclubs when he was just in his 20s. With a lot of hard work, some questionable choices, and a lot of dedication and passion, he grew to become one of the main promoters of American grunge bands in the UK, including Nirvana, Mudhoney, The Smashing Pumpkins, and Green Day. He also worked with bands like Iron Maiden, Simple Minds, and Placebo. Dave's directorial debut is his autobiographical film called Schemers. It chronicles the journey that Dave went through to become the prolific promoter that he is today. Schemers will be available to watch on demand starting March 29th. Coincidentally, Placebo's new album drops March 28th. So go buy the album, go watch the film, you're going to enjoy them both. This episode is brought to you by realtor Esther Greaves. Esther has been serving the residential real estate market in Kansas City Metro since 2006. She's licensed in both Kansas and Missouri. Her local areas include South Kansas City, Downtown Kansas City, Leewood, Overland Park, Elise Summit, and Cass County. For all of your residential real estate needs in the Kansas City metro area, head to gladheartrealty.com and give Esther a call. This episode is also brought to you by Be Unique Brevard, the Space Coast premier magazine. Go over to beunique.org to claim your free issue. Now, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage, cuddle up with your host pup, and enjoy the show. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great, good stuff. I'm yeah. too early. Am I early? I'm a minute early. Oh, you, no, you're okay. I was just running a, a bit late. I had to find a green shirt for today. Oh, it's a party <laughs> stay, yeah. 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 So, guys, I'm here with Dave McLean. McLean? McLean. Any, anything you like. McLean sounds good today. Let's go with that, yeah. I like that. All yeah. right, we're going to go with that. And we're here to talk about schemers. Oh, it's all real life. Everything in the film's real life. There's nothing oh. made up. I mean... <laughs> It's a lot worse than that when, when things get bigger later on, when we mm-hmm. do bigger bands and move to London and start doing stuff all over the place. I mean, if, every gig is like a film, really, because there's always some idiot running about, some crazy guy who owns the venue, some nutcase in the audience, so mm-hmm. some guy in the band, or some fight that starts someplace, or never having enough money. or You know, there's always something can happen. You, yeah. you just never know, you know? So... Yeah. Like in the movie, um, it kind of concentrates on the one gig I had made. Every single thing there is true. I, you know, I never read the rider. I didn't have the crew. I didn't have any food. I had so many tickets. I didn't do any promotion. All that, and it all came together on the night. So weird. So, so even even the shenanigans and the Scottish Mac mobsters. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a lot worse in real life. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, that was a lot worse. I mean, uh, the that was based. That was based on a gig, another gig we did um, with Thin Lizzy. We did four gigs with Thin Lizzy. And uh, the stuff that went on behind the scenes with that, but we just used a little a little sprinkling of that <laughs> to, to put into the, the, you know what I mean? Seasoned it slightly, you know? So, yeah, it, it was, it never seemed dangerous or anything at the time. It just seemed a laugh, you know? Like, yeah. everything was a laugh to me. Because when you're like 20, 21, 22, everything's funny. It's like, oh. Just take it on the chin, like you know. Right. Easy. Nothing. Nothing is serious. Nothing is dangerous at that age. Fearless. No. Well, you, yeah, you are fearless for some mad reason, you know, and you, you you don't actually think you're ever going to get your head kicked in or anything like that. But um, 
<laughs> until it actually happens, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I always just have a laugh about things, you know. Life life's too short to be kind of serious about that, you know. You had these multiple interactions with one specific man due to some shenanigans early on, and that's true. You kept bumping into the same guy and getting your ass beat every time. Oh, the yeah. Well, we we worked with this guy that character's based on because uh, I was I was only twenty one, twenty two, and this this guy. That the character's based on was a was an older guy mm -hmm. who was a big big promoter. So yeah. I I was running running about with him, getting into all sorts of scrapes and everything like that. So that character's based on, and we yeah we borrowed a certain amount of money, got got into hot with this guy, and we we basically had to had to put on a big show and make the money, which sounds easy, <laughs> but um, so that's that's true, yeah. That part, it, the, the way it begins is hilarious, first of all, because you're just basically running for your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of it seems, did you start this to, to impress the girl? That's all I started for. It's an absolute true story. I was at College of Commerce in Dundee because I used to have loads of rubbish jobs. And my auntie said to me, look, you're, you're better than that. Go and get some qualifications, go to university. So I had to go to college to get the qualifications to go to university. So I was at the college and my friend, John, who's in the film, John, he he noticed me looking at this girl all the time. He says, look, just go and speak to her. And I went, can't, can't I speak to her? She's amazing. So no, speak to me. Go on. And then we started talking about football team. He says, you know what? We need new football strips. I says, okay, how's that going to help me then? What we'll do is we'll do a disco and we'll get the tickets printed and you go and see the girl sell her some tickets and then you're talking to her it'll just be easy from there so we got the tickets printed and i went across there's five or six girls sitting i went uh excuse me how's it going like you know no bad what's your name dave oh nice to meet you uh, I, anyway i've got a disco the tickets are three pounds each and i went oh we can't afford that i says table doesn't matter there you go there's six tickets you're going to come so i went back to see john john goes how did it go i went great they're all coming he went fantastic that's 18 pounds i went well, no, really, I just gave them the tickets. He went, oh, that's that's a great business model. How are we going to make any money on that? You know? So anyway, so we did the disco, and uh, it all happened, and I got off with a girl, and we went out for a while. And she said to me once, oh, I really like that band, The Only Ones. I said, so do I, actually. I never heard of them, like, you know. So I went and listened to them. I said, oh, they're quite good. So that was the very first band I booked was The Only Ones, which isn't in the film, which is a pity, because I really, I really did, did like The Only Ones. So it all started to impress the girl. So we put all the discos on, and we were making about $1,000 every couple of weeks, which was loads of money 40 years ago, right? We'd pay a DJ $50, and we'd make $1,000 on the tickets. But for some mad reason, we changed that business model to paying $1,000 for a band and making nothing, just to make it look good, made us look cool. Like, you know, We're doing The Cure, we're doing Susie and the Banshees, we're doing... Ultravox, we're doing simple minds. <laughs> but we weren't making any money, but it looked good, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, that, that's how it started. It's hardly what you'd say a great business business uh, model, but that's how we started. Well, I kind of feel like it's not 100% crazy because you spent the money, what do they say? You have to spend money to make money. So you spent yeah. the money to get the recognition of these great bands to further, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and then so, maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so, you're just a little crazy or half crazy. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't really think of it like that at the time because at the time it was just like 
I mean, you used to feel great. I mean, that's in the days before social media. So you'd, you'd get your posters that come through and you'd put up Thin Lizzy. You know? mm-hmm. you, and, and, you'd, and you'd go into the bars and there'd be all the, all the people in the bars and you'd go in with your... You'd stick up and watch Thin Lizzy. It just makes me yeah. Or it's the cure or simple minds. Wow, wow. And, you, and you'd feel people... Looking, mm. said, "Oh, they, they're doing really good." Although we weren't, yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's good fun, like you know, yeah. And the bands were great, to be honest. It's it brilliant doing live music. I mean, the discos were boring. Like we made loads of money, but it's just some guy playing tunes, you know. But the bands was all about the band rolls up, the band needs this, the band needs that, the band go on, crowd go nuts, you know. Just the interaction thing was a lot better, but it was a lot more exciting. Well, we're talking early eighties, mid eighties. Early, well, Iron Maiden was, no, I, I started in 1977. I mean, I've, I've been doing gigs for like, 40, Jesus, 40 odd years. So it was like mm-hmm. 1977 was the first one, was the only one, 77, 78. And Iron Maiden gig was 1980. Wow. Actually, meeting them next week for um, dinner in London. Because uh, they've been really good oh. with the movie. They, they sort of helped us out a lot. Uh, they gave us the footage for nothing, promoted it on their um, social media stuff. Uh, they took the movie, uh, one of them's got a private cinema with about 25, 30 people. He took it at Christmas wow. time, invited all his mates around, really liked it. So that was good. That was a well, kind see, of seal of approval. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And it just goes to show that those relationships that you made yeah, remain yeah, yeah. a lot of them. Strange. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd never seen them for like 35, 40 years. It's just when I approached them about the movie uh, that we started, you know, sort of got together. and. Um, it is weird for how 40 years later they're, they're still going. And funnily enough, I put in an offer for them to play a, a gig uh, June, July this year at a football stadium up in Scotland. My friend owns it. So, and I'm meeting them next Monday. So it's, it's funny how things just keep going, you know? Honestly, though, bands from the, the late 70s and 80s, I don't know what magic they they ingested or, or just possessed. They're still, you're right, they're still going. I mean, we can talk about the Stones. We can talk about oh, yeah. Brian May and Roger Taylor. They're still going. Yeah, yeah. You could talk about The Cure. Like, The Cure are still going. Simple Minds are still going. Susie yeah. Nabansies are still going. Uh, Talking Heads are still going in some shape. Well, David Barnes still going. Well, they're only going because because of one reason, because they're great, you know, because they're all yeah. really, Blondie's still going, right? So all these are going, but, Fleetwood Mark are still good, you know? This is what I'm saying. If I was talking with um, another person and we were asking ourselves, who, what performer today oh. can we picture 40 years from now, 30 years oh, from now? Can't see it, could you? Can't see any. We could only maybe come up with a couple and they were individual. They weren't, they weren't really bands. They were individuals that we thought... Mm, like, you know, like who? Like who, for example? Uh, like Ed Sheeran or Adele, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, probably because they've got that massive 100 million fan well, base. Well, the ballads. Got. I, think the, I think it's probably, for me, it was like, because I think the ballads will remain. They'll be used in commercials. And they'll be used yeah. in yeah, But yeah. we really had a hard time narrowing. But we, we just gushed about Queen and Elton John and uh, Pink Floyd, all these bands from... Uh, a thousand years well, you know ago, what's, right? Well, you know what's really weird? I, I manage a band called Placebo, and mm-hmm. they I started managing them in 1994. So what is that? That's, that's a good... What, that's 28 years ago, right? So they put their show on sale, their American tour on sale last week. Their New York show sold out already. 
six months in advance, 2,000 tickets, wow. right? Mexico City sold 10,000 tickets on the first day. And their headlining festivals all over Europe doing 25, 30 arena shows. And their album comes out at the end of March. So I'm thinking, 28 years they've been going. But they're still only like 48, 49 or something. Now, you've got Green Day and stuff like that. They've been going 30 years. 30 years. Because mm-hmm. we first uh, started promoting Green Day when, oh, ages ago, anyhow. I mean, maybe 1980 something, you know. So they're still going. Um, mm. But it's only because they've got the quality. But some of these younger bands come through, they have a couple of hits and then that's mm. it. But bands like we've been talking about, they've got six or seven or eight albums so they can headline festivals. They've got a big fan base. And even my daughter, she's um, 15. She she started listening to Muse, Green Day, Weezer. And I says, where are you hearing all this music? Oh, it just comes up on the playlist, Dad. They're great. And then she got Nirvana and she went, you used to promote Nirvana. I says, oh, of course I did, yeah. And then she says, oh, they're awesome. And I, I made, it made me feel great, like really proud, like, you know, I feel really good, you know. Yeah. Yeah, good that. Well, it, it's, it is funny when, when our children discover things from when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and it's like, oh, yeah. Like, my son, when he's, he'll be doing his homework or whatever, and I'll hear something from the 80s, or I think it was uh, George Michael the other day, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. all right. George no. Michael, Careless Whisper. Oh, what, what, what's that one to play every Christmas? Oh, that's a good track, last that Christmas. last Christmas. That's a yeah. good track. It I was is. Because I, I live in Thailand, and I'm in, I'm in Scotland just now because I'm going to placebo, uh, we're placebo in Europe next week. But, but you're going around these huge shopping malls in Thailand, and Christmas time, they've got mm-hmm. that song going. And I, th- I like often stop and actually listen to it and think, you know what, that's an actual good song. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a cracker, really. You know? Yeah. you know, it is. And not to go off on a George Michael tangent, although we can. Uh, what was it? Um, Freedom. No, I think it was the second Freedom came on the radio and I knew every word. And I was like, <laughs> it's, Amanda, yeah. it's been a hot minute since I've heard this song, but something. <laughs> impressed itself on my brain and I think it's funny um you could probably do that with a lot of songs especially if they were songs that you heard a lot through your formative yeah. year as yeah, a yeah, teen yeah. and you're like oh god or it takes you back to a memory yeah well my George Michael memory is I worked at a concert at Wembley they were playing it was Wham, Haircut 100 who you probably never heard of I think and uh Gary Glitter <laughs> I don't know if you had a Gary Glitter he was playing and my job, because I used to double up and get a job as security just to make some money. So I was young, I was only about 23, 24 or something. Maybe a little bit older, actually. And um, I was in the pit, right, in, in the pit at the very front. And my job was to hose down the audience. Mm. Like, all, all these, <laughs> like all these girls in the audience were at the front. I'd hose them. That was, that was tough work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. I, I did that for two days. That was, that was hilarious. Uh, but it, was a, but it was a good concert, and there was about eighty thousand people there. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a good life, the music business. If you get if you get a bit of luck behind you, and you can make some money and get the right acts, and mm-hmm. it's great. But it'd be terrible if you just had yeah. a band that was the making that, and then you were going around clubs playing to nobody or something. You know, I'd right. be lucky. Well, yeah, well, Wembley is nothing to sneeze at. That's an amazing venue. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's brilliant now. I mean, back in the day, it was just a sort of football stadium, but now mm-hmm. it's. I went to see, my mate was promoting Ed, Ed Sheeran and they had One Republic on 
think it was Ooh, One Republic. Republic. Yeah, and, and I really liked One Republic. So he got me tickets for Ed Sheeran. And I went, and, and the seats were like, it was like business class in an aeroplane, you know what I mean? Leather seats, reclining, it's like nice. ridiculous. It's like, wow, things have changed a lot, you know, if you're in the VIP stuff, you know? Right. I mean, I remember the first festivals I went to, Castle Donut and to see ACDC, and it was like, it was like going in the trenches, like, you know, it's mud every place and, you know, hygiene was out the window. It was just hellish, you know, so it's changed a lot. Well, that's, I think that's something um, that you have over in Scotland or, you know, in England with Wembley Stadium. You've got these amazing places. Like you said, Castle Donna. Yeah, it's Castle a castle. Yeah, 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 it's castle a castle. Donington. Let's have a concert here. You know, it, it just, oh, what a, I'm going to say it's a better experience. Not to say that concerts here in America suck, because we're not going to say that. But we don't often have, the venue doesn't contribute character. It doesn't contribute. Yeah, you do a lot of sheds, don't you? They call them sheds, because we went on tour with my chemical romance in Lincoln Park. And, and I said, what's what's a shed? And he said, well, it's kind of, it's an outdoor thing. It's half outdoor, half indoor. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You got about 25,000 people at each show. But the, the beautiful thing about touring with placebo, oh, the, the venues we play in Europe, we play all these Roman amphitheatres, like mm-hmm. in Verona and Sicily, and you get 10,000 people in a place that's like a thousand year old. You know, it's like, oh, you just, it's unbelievable the places you're all up to in Greece and even Romania, all these old Roman, because the Romans were every place. Yeah. yeah, they were building these theatres and open air things and, they really lend themselves to a concert, you know what I mean? You, you can f- do a great documentary there, great filming. It just looks so good. And there's a there's a great place where bands play in Scotland called Edinburgh Castle. You should Google in Edinburgh Castle. And they play on the, the kind of courtyard and it holds about 12,000. And the castle was built in about six, 1600 or something, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just like great. As, as my daughter... Uh, favorite word these days is aesthetically pleasing yeah. <laughs> aesthetically pleasing so edinburgh castle they're playing in the courtyard they're playing um in these roman amphitheaters i mean yeah you're, you're absolutely right to go back to that aesthetically pleasing it adds these visuals to oh, the, the the experience that i feel like it's just adding spice to the dish right uh, well here's some of the spice to the dish I, I don't know if you know much about southeast asia but Placebo are the only band that ever played Angkor Wat. You know, have you heard of Angkor Wat? I've heard it. I've heard of it's it. Up, it's up in Cam- Cambodia. Um, it's a place called Siam Reap. And it's a World Heritage Site. I think it's about two and a half thousand years old. And mm-hmm. uh, you just, you, if you Google in sort of Placebo, Angkor Wat, you'll see it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, what a place to play. Well, We're the only band ever to play there. Yes, that's, that was good. Uh, Angkor, Angkor Wat has the, the ancient temples. Yeah, right? yeah, it's got these yeah. three huge spires. And we're playing right in front of them. And it's like, wow. this is just mental, like, you know. So that was a great thing to do. So, yeah, that was nice. And this is with placebo. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was I mean, there are no Gary Glitter, but who is, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, yeah, that's, that's you've worked with a lot of a lot of great bands and you started so young and you're still so young we're gonna, oh, we're gonna yeah, yeah, continue yeah. our magic yeah. right yeah how, how have you seen how have you seen music change personally what do you think where are we going wrong that we're not going to have that that long lifespan 
algorithms that's going to go wrong because everybody listens to the same thing. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's like um, weird example, but I, I do loads like when I'm back in Bangkok since this COVID thing started, I started getting fit again. So I was on the road machine all the time. So I got my daughter to do me a very happy playlist of songs, right? Of songs that she liked. So I was listening to bands that I wouldn't have normally listened to, like Five Seconds of Summer, Neon Trees, Banners, Blossoms, just kind of happy stuff, real happy pop stuff. And it was great, like, you know, it's oh, that's, that's fantastic. That's songs that Billy picked for me. But then songs would start creeping into the playlist. And I thought, what's that? I never asked for this, never asked for that. Didn't like that track, you know? The algorithm fits, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's just really annoying. And then there's no live circuit hardly any these days. So to get out and get a fan base, you need to go and play live, but you can't go and play live unless you make any money. So bands don't a tour anymore, right? So you don't see that. You just people do 30 seconds on TikTok and get 20 million views or something. It's just a load of nonsense. So it's gone, it's, it's gone different like that. Then it's big promoters now like Live Nation and AAG will just buy 200 shows of a band and they set the market and you play at their venue and they they sell their merch and their beer and their food and their whatever. You know, it's just a big conglomerate now, you know. But back in my day, and even still when I promote gigs, I like to be independent, you know, mm-hmm. independent promoter and promote bands that I like, not like a bean counter, not just go out there and say, well, what's big just now? Oh, right, okay, we'll have, oh, we'll have 200 shows on Ed Sheeran or we'll have 200 shows on whoever you know what I mean I just promote what I like you know and if it doesn't sell you know a million tickets it doesn't really matter because we put on a good show and you're you've got your own audience you've got your own niche but it's only down to the big the big players these days you know and the Spotify thing's ridiculous I mean it's okay for placebo because we've got our own streaming thing we make plenty of money we own our own pro- we own all the recordings own the publishing so we make money on streaming but loads of other bands a band will sign a record label now will think, oh, this is great. We're getting $100,000. Wow. And then they think, oh, what's happened here? They're taking 30% of our life, 30% of our merch. They're wanting our publishing. And then they never see the money anyhow. So that's changed a lot. Anyway, that's my that's my rant over. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it makes perfect sense. And I want to say that even before COVID, I feel like you used to hear all the time so-and-so is coming to town, so-and-so is going on tour. And I feel like it really trickled off the amount of bands that were yeah, touring yeah. even before the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. Very good point, yeah, because because people kind of thought it too. I mean, that's how I'm, I'm really lucky with Placebo. We've got about 150 shows booked from, you know, we, we did have loads in Russia, but we're not going to Russia now, obviously, but... Would, right. I mean, all, all, all over Southeast Asia, Latin America, North America, Canada, Central Europe, Eastern Europe. And it's great. It's a great life to roll up to places you'd never go to, like in Peru or Argentina or Croatia or Mexico. Or, you know, I, I just love it. Like, or someplace throw a, throw a dart at the map and, oh, we'll go there. Like, you know, Australia. Yeah, let's go to Australia. But we've not been doing that for years. So now I'm going to Europe next week with a band. We're doing some promo for the album on just like five cities like Berlin, Cologne, Amsterdam, Paris, Brussels, whatever. And that'll be exciting because I've never been there for ages. You know, just be right. like, wow, I'll be like a kid again, like in a sweet mm-hmm. show. Whoa, having, you'll be the tourist. Cla- mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, just sort of sitting in a street cafe in Paris, having 
class on in a coffee or something like that, you know. In Amsterdam, the chips and the mayonnaise, you know. And, hey, this is and, great. Yeah, yeah. Just really enjoy every moment, you know. Right. And I can't imagine but think that for the band members going to a new place, that excitement will translate into performance as well. You oh, know? they love it. They, yeah. I mean, my band, like, even though we've been going 28 years, you go to certain places where, like Mexico, absolute mental, Chile, Argentina, the fans are like crazy, like, you know, Russia, they're great in Russia, Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine, where it was great days, you know. In fact, most places, the band feed off the audience. And we've got a kind of, I don't know how we sell so many tickets. We just sell so many tickets. Got an underground sort of following that is like unbelievable. But from all age groups now, you know. And once you get on that stage, I mean, I I, I just watch the crowd and the action and you, everybody feeds off each other. You know what I mean? And then you put, and then the band come off at the end and it's like, oh, that was, that was great. And even after doing it for so many years, I just love it. Even going to see bands that, that I've got nothing to do with, like the Killers, I love the Killers. You know? And I um, met Brandon Flowers a few times and seen a few of their shows, and I just love the way he bounces about the stage and he just looks so happy. I just yeah. love it. I think this is great, you know. Just get a great buzz out of the music, you know. No, it's good. I it's think, a good life. And I think I think you touched on a key point um, as well for performers. You can tell when they're not enjoying themselves, oh, or where it's just a job. Just, just going through the motions, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing Bruce Springsteen years and years ago. And I, I couldn't, he, he played for, no joke, four and a half hours in Newcastle. There was 52,000 in a football stadium, right? And I'm no joking, it went through, it went in a blink like that. You know, you had the big guy on the sax, Klaus Clemens, had Niels Lofgren on guitar. Uh, I, I, and the songs were all great. He was great. The vibe was great. He gave all the money at the miners who were on strike. Uh, oh, wow. You know, just like, they just awesome, like, you know. I mean, and he, and he enjoys it. Like, he still enjoys it. You know, or he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't need to do it, would he? Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. I was, oh, um, with the concerts, I was going to ask, are you still hosing down the audience? Still hosing? No, no, really. No, I'm not doing that. That, that was at night with my... In my heyday, in my pomp, when I was a young whippersnapper, I thought that was a plum job, you know. But the concerts now, you know, I just watch the side stage, or I'll I start off side stage and I'll walk around the entire venue, go upstairs, down the stairs, wow. through the back. And Brian always says to me, you know, singer and placebo always has a laugh, and Steph say, keep seeing you wandering about, you pop up every place. But it's just because <laughs> I like to hear the sound from every part of the venue, like, you know, vantage points and... Right. Yeah, it's just it's just great. It's not like a job, is it? It's just a laugh, you know. I mean, every, every day I got up, think I'm just blessed. My, my my life is ridiculous, you know. I make films, which is great. I manage bands, which is awesome. I get to tour the world, which is brilliant. I live in Thailand, which is superb. We've got a wife, two great daughters, brilliant. And could Less. argue about that, could you? Yeah, yeah, no. that's it. You know, every day, could man, could. Couldn't ask for more. I wouldn't swap my life with anybody. You know? Nobody. You know? Right. So and it okay. is, it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> okay. You're right. It's a it's a far distance from young Davy uh, in the schemers, but you know what? You grew up, you grew out, and look at you. I'm just the same, honestly. I mean, obviously, physically, I'm not, but mentally, 
<laughs> me, me, mentally, I'll just, I still feel like the same person. I still don't take anything too serious because what is it to take seriously? Well, there's things going on in the world you can't influence anything. You just get up every day and every day when I'm in Bangkok, I must speak to literally 100 people. Have you ever seen that film Crocodile Dundee? Mm-hmm. Right, remember when he goes to New York and he's going, g'day, 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 and, mm-hmm. and people just sort of walking past him. Every day in Bangkok, I speak to all, all every, how's it going? What's happening? What's the word on the pavy? What's, what's the word on the street? And they laugh, like, you know, so everybody knows me, like, in my little bit of Bangkok, you know? Mm-hmm. I speak to everybody, and they all speak, but I laugh. And if you speak to somebody, they'll smile back at you. Mm-hmm. For you know? sure. But, yeah, which is good. And it's good to engage with people. Because apparently, I read someplace that for your well-being, one of the best things you can do is engage with people. That's even above exercise and diet, would you believe? Wow. The more people, so- the more the more people you engage with, like, hello, how's it going? You having a good day? What's happening? And don't just say, you're having a good day. Say, like, what have you been up to? What's, what's happening in your life? And then they say, oh, oh, well, you know, and then they talk to you about something, you know, rather than just spout on about what you're doing, you know. So human interaction is more important than exercise. Apparently, apparently, yeah. yeah. Well, good, because I don't like exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Interaction with people, because you know how exercise is good for your mental health, right? And obviously, you know, body shape and all that sort of nonsense, right? But it's very good for your mental health. And obviously food's great for your, your body, right? But I read that interaction, and I, I can definitely believe this, is even above that because that gets everything. You're happy, you know. If you, it, it has to be good interaction, obviously. I mean, if you say to somebody "Good morning" and they tell you to piss off, it's going to put you in a bad mood, like you know. But generally <laughs> speaking, that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, and you're right to to interact. You have to ask your ask your question. You know, how are you doing? But then you also have to listen to the answer. Exactly. It's, that's, not, it's not true interaction that, if you don't. <laughs> that's that's the whole point. Like I met somebody this morning. No, I, I met somebody the other day. No, it was yesterday. An actor friend of mine who was actually in the film. Blair, who played one of the baddies, the good-looking boy with the beard. And mm. uh, he's he's an actor. He's in Mama Mia just now. And he's going to America, actually, with the, with the tour. He, he plays the part of Sam, you know, the American guy, the Pierce Brosnan character. Mm. So I met him for a coffee to talk about things. He says, Dave, how are you? I says, I'm, I'm fine, mate. Things are going good. What about yourself? Oh, it's great. I says, no, how, how are you? How, how are you getting on? It must have been tough for the last two years. He went, ah, oh, well, then he told me a lot of things that's been going on in his life. So we, 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 we chatted for about 20, 25 minutes about him. And then he says, is there anything happening? I says, well, I'm doing a, like, a few more films and this and that next thing, and I want you on the team. Really like you. You're kind of always going to be on my team and blah, blah, blah. So and then he went off to Aberdeen to play these uh, part of Mamma Mia that night. So it's good to talk to people and let people talk to you. You know, that's 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 really important to me. You know, that, that's vital to me. You know? Yeah. Sorry, Sorry. to get on a preacher box. So right now, or coming soon, you'll you're gonna be working with the placebo uh, on tour. Yeah, yeah. Placebo on tour. Are you coming to Florida? Are you coming to like Orlando, Tampa, Miami, Jacksonville, uh, any of that? I'll just check where we're playing. We're only doing, we're doing a few shows just now, and then we're going to come back next year. We're just trying to test the water. We're playing the LA Greek Theatre, I know that. Okay. Um, which is going really good. I mean, all the shows are going great. I'm just checking their um, their site just now. I'll tell you where we're playing. But um, I know we're going to be coming back next year, put it that way, you know. 
and do more shows. Because we've okay. got so many shows, we've got so many shows coming That's in. Exactly what I... <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> That's okay. So here we go. Placebo Lever, let me go, America. Um, now we're only doing Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Mexico, Austin, and New York on this little run. So that's that. So not oh, that much, but but we'll be back though. We'll be back next that's year. Right. Oh, I was just going to say for testing the waters, that's a, that's quite a few shows. Uh, well, people have been saying we're not doing enough shows, but we've got 110 shows to do, like, and we're playing loads of countries. But yeah, it's and we've not been there for years, and the New York show sold out, as I said, six months mm -hmm. in advance. That's which is it's, it's like mental you know and, and the album's not even out yet so yeah. it's just you said good you said the album is coming out when oh the album's at march 28th and the film's oh. at march 29th i think so so it's yeah. it's a double thing so so there you go it's a pity i couldn't get everybody that's buying the album to buy their movie <laughs> we well, that, that a bit of a cross <laughs> cross pollinization or whatever stupid yeah. phrase they use for marketing these days you know uh, the but, um, promotion or yeah something like that something 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 wacky anyway but i'm looking forward to getting back to new york and uh la and yeah i like america i mean america let's get gets a lot of flack for a lot of stuff but i've always enjoyed going there you know it's uh the the the, the only thing i kind of handle in america is the breakfast that they, they offer up it's like jesus you can't eat all that surely like you know it's the portions are out of control here. I am in absolute agreement with oh, you. It's, it's like, I mean, when I used to go to LA, it was like, um, there was two sorts of people. There was like the, the huge ones or the really fit ones who would just be drinking mineral water and eating lettuce <laughs> leaves or something. There was nothing really in between, like, you know. But I always find them, um, I always kind of like New York. I mean, and LA and Chicago. Like, I love Chicago. It's good. And Miami is too hot for me, though. But I, I like it in Miami, but it's hot. I, I just like... Um, it's all about over the top, but it's good, you know. It, mm -hmm. It's like everything's big, you know. I mean, the, like right. like you said, the portions of the food. I mean, you go in and you see these guys coming and getting a stack of pancakes. It's literally, it's like a mm -hmm. small mountain, and then demolish it, you know. Mad yeah. it must be crazy, like you know. Yeah, I we could go on and on about that. That that is one of my pet peeves: is the portions are too. It's too much. It's too wasteful. Uh, yeah. Obesity is a real problem because of it. Uh, you know, and a bottle of water costs three dollars, but you can oh. get a two liter of soda for a dollar. Oh, that's just that, that, yeah, that is that is ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. But it's what's great about America in general is, like you said, New York, LA, Chicago, Miami, completely different oh. cities. Oh, totally, yeah. Right, Seattle, and, like Seattle is different. Yeah. And Seattle, oh god, yeah. It, I mean, that is. For a touring, you know, production or, or a band, that has to be nice. I, but people don't understand. And like me asking, are you coming to, you know, are you coming to Orlando? People, listeners, audiences don't understand how much goes into a tour. Yeah. And the film gives you a little insight into it. But when you're talking about a huge production. Oh, that's I the problem with Placebo. That, that, that's because they take their whole production. I mean, loads of bands go to America and they slim everything down. But Placebo take their entire production, which is like crazy. It's the stuff they use for Europe, right, for other big, big shows. And they don't skimp on the crew and the lights and this and that. And so they bring the whole thing. So, so basically, when we play one show in Mexico, we'll pay for 12 shows in America, right? Because yeah. when we play Mexico, we'll do 20,000 people in a night. And then we'll go to America 
and we'll do a couple of thousand people a night apart from LA, which is 7,000 or something. So you see what I mean? It's like, it's, it's weird because they do not skimp. I mean, I could never say to the band, look, when you go to America, why don't you just use local crew and local this and local PA and local this? What are you daft, Dave? Are you, are you insane? You're fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Because the, the reason they get so much money and they get so much, they sell so much tickets is their great life. They, they never, in say 1,500 gigs, have probably only done five kind of average gigs. Generally, they're off the scale awesome, like, you know. So that's, that's good. And we're talking about trucks worth of oh, equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Hotels, truck. I mean, hotels, day rooms, trucks, equipment, um, technicians, sound, lights, you know, makeup, this, that, whatever, I don't know, everything. It's like, it's the circus comes to town now, you know, it's like a fleet of trucks and all that. And it, yeah. But I mean, like to, like, to be honest, I still get a buzz out of it. Because when they started, it was just one van. You know, three of the band and the tour manager, and you know, it's great how you see things progress. And your first gig's a little gig in a pub with twenty people or something, and now you're into the big you know, arenas and all that. I never forget how it starts, never. And I always remind the band, and they they, they get fed up at me reminding because if they get an offer for a gig, and they might say, "Oh, like is that all?" It could be like you know, crazy money. I'll say, yeah. "Remember, remember," and Brian will say to me, "The singer will go, oh, here we go." The first time at this Flash Club, when you played a pound a ticket, there was 322, uh, 323 <laughs> people, and we got 323 pounds. Well, I said, remember how excited you were when you got that? He goes, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. right. So remember, remember when that dollar amount was something that you were like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like when the band do promo now, they, they, they have so many interviews to do, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And sometimes they get a bit tired and all that sort of stuff, you know, and time zones and this and that and whatever. And they might be saying, oh, do we need to do this, need to do that? And I'll say, yeah, well, you need to really, because you need to play the game, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, remember, Brian, years and years ago, he said, oh, here, we, here we go, I know what's coming next. Because when they got their first mention in the NME, which is a big music ma magazine, Brian phoned me and says, Dave, Dave, we're in the NME. I says, I've got the NME, I can't see anywhere. No, page 43, I went, where? Bottom right-hand corner. It was like the size of a matchbox, literally, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was, like, funny. He was so excited, you know? So, yeah, it is funny how things change. But, I mean, they're so buzzing about the New York show selling out. I mean, I, I sent them a message and got a text back immediately. Wow! Never expected that. So, they still got that, buzz, that excitement, you know? Right. Still got that buzz, you know? They've, they've not gotten too big for their britches. No, no, much. no. You can't, like, you can't take anything for granted, you know? You... you you never know what's going to happen. You know, you could put an album out or put, like my case, put a film out. I mean, it could have been slagged, slated, or whatever, but it got good reviews and we did good. So if you feel good, it's the same when you do an album. You're putting yourself out there, eh? So when you get great reviews and you sell a lot of tickets, it's great. It could easily go the other way. You could get terrible reviews and sell no tickets. And then, oh, so everything that happens good. Just take it, right? Enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know? Absolutely. Well, the album for Placebo comes out March 28th. March 29th is the release of Schemers. Is it going to be a theatrical release or just on demand? Well, it was going to be theatrical when it was came out two years ago. We had loads of theatres, but of course all that went down the pan. So now it's only on demand on 19 
19 platforms. I, I can't remember them all, but the usual Is sort that of thing. all? <laughs> <laughs> so just spread spread the love, as they say. That's right. And it's a really it's a really enjoyable film. And knowing that it's based on real life, and perhaps it's dramatized, it makes it even more I'm enjoying it even more now because it's like well, that, this that's happened. No, thanks, because it's great. And that, and that girl who's not called Shona, she was actually called someone else. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing because I wouldn't have been inspired to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just right, crazy. Exactly. Thing, you know? Yeah, so that's weird. Isn't so, it funny um, how one, one moment... Yeah, one moment. I mean, we could, I mean, I could have gone across there, tried to sell her a ticket. She could have just looked at me like it was an idiot. Or nothing. But, I mean, it's a bit like in the film where they're sitting in the library and she just looks up at me like that. And yeah, that's that's pretty much the way it was, you know. They they came they came to the gig, and uh, the rest is history. And I, I remember uh, when uh, she came in at the I I came into the gig and she was sitting. This isn't in the film, but this is the way it really did happen. Her and her friends were sitting in the corner of this place called Lang's Bar. There's about two or three hundred people there, and they were sitting in the corner. And that track, Faith Healer, came on. Alex yeah. Harvey, <laughs> like that sort of beat <laughs> thing. I was. I, I remember coming in, scanning the room, and I saw on a fixed in like a Exocet missile <laughs> just mm-hmm. going in there, coming at you. You know, it was really good. You know, it was brilliant. I loved it. I still remember that. Yeah, it was great. Got a good memory. Quick question before we wrap up. You said your your aunt told you to go to college to to try to make something more yeah. of yourselves. What were you gonna do? Did you have a plan? Oh, when I went to college, it's weird actually because. I left school in, in Scotland, you have these things called O-levels, which are hardly an ordinary grade. I got two O-levels, two because it was at a, a kind of rubbish school, because mm. you get split into two groups when you're 13. You either go to the, big, the good school or the crappy school. So I went to the not-so-good school, and I, I did metalwork and <laughs> English was the only thing I got. So then she said, look, you're clever. You know, you should, you should get A-levels, go to university. So I, I went to the college where I met the girl, I went to university where I did two years out of three. But what I was going to, because I left to actually left to promote bands, I thought this would be more exciting. But I was mm-hmm. either going to be a journalist, like I allude to in the film, where I talk about going to Cambodia and working with John Pilger, who was a really famous journalist, who did the, that amazing documentary, The Year Zero, which is about Paul Pot. So I wanted to be a journalist or a criminal psychologist. There you go. Wow. Uh, but then I got sidetracked along the way and I ended up being a, a promoter, manager, filmmaker. So there you go. But it's all, it's all relative. It's all kind of interesting. But I wonder what I would have done if I'd been a, a journalist. Uh, that, yeah. that, that, that was my dream, to be like a good journalist, like somebody like, I don't know if you know John Pilger, but he's, he's amazing. And that document, I mean, we made three or four documentaries as well. One we did in Russia where we went, Five thousand kilometers from one side of Russia all the way to the other side of Russia. Oh, no. We played, we played fourteen cities, and that was exciting. That, and we made one in Angkor Wat, and we made another one someplace. We've done three documentaries, but um, I always like doing that. You know, telling the story, telling other people's stories, mm-hmm. and seeing what's happening, and you know, seeing how the other half live. You know, right. Well, hopefully live. this, hopefully this promoter thing works out for you. You know, fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. It's been an absolute honor to talk with you. Uh, give a shout out. Where can people find out more about you, about Placebo, about Schemers? Well, just go to Placebo. can be um, 
placeboworld.co.uk, I think it's called. And Dave McLean is on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook or anything. Just just all the usual sort of places, like, you know. But, um, yeah, it's all going great. I'm just happy. It was a great chat with you. Brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Superb. Absolutely. And I would love to keep in touch so we can continue to talk about different projects. I've just sort of started getting into all this Instagram stuff because my daughter said, Dad, you should be more social. Use more social media. Did you get on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I went on Twitter the other day, yeah. But I've got a strange title on Twitter. My friend put me on it and it's, uh. hard, it's hard, hard to find, you know. But I'm on, um, so I'm Dave, Dave from the D on Instagram. Dave from the D. And strange story, just to wrap up, right? Before I left Thailand, um, my daughter showed me this picture that she'd done two years ago. It's, it's, on, it's on Instagram. And she'd done this drawing. It was, she did it on the 14th of January, 2019. It's, it's a picture of two people holding hands, and it's called Never Let Me Go, right? Aww. And two years later, Placebo come to me with the album title called Never Let Me Go. And oh, I never took... I thought that was spooky, so I so I put that up on Instagram today, and I thought I got loads of people saying, "Wow!" But that's absolutely true, and I thought, "How bloody weird is that?" You know, isn't that strange? Yeah. That's so, incredibly strange. That's mm-hmm. incredibly strange, but wonderful at the same time. Well, look, please keep in touch because I just like meeting people, and talking to people. We had a good rap there, good chat, you know, and we'll definitely be in Miami sometime. And who knows if you're ever in Bonnie, Scotland, you come to my place. We're out on the out on the river here. You know, it's nice. I'll give you a wee. A wee view out the back door. If you're here, Are you now. in Dundee now? In in the day, yeah, in the day. I'll see, right. see if this. Uh, no, it's it's too it's too windy out there just now because the wind's blowing a gale. But um, I'll go here. See see if you can see this. This is where we are just now. Um, can you see the Can you see the water there? Oh my god! Yeah, there you go. That's, so that's gorgeous. Davy in the day. That's where we are. Davy in the day. Right on the river. So when I'm having dinner. But when I'm having dinner and we're sitting here, it's like being on a boat, you know, because you're yeah. you're so close to you're so close to the river, and we've got loads of dolphins swimming up there. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's beautiful. That's Very amazing. Lucky. Thank you for showing me. Oh my god! Hey. Now I want to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're more than welcome. If you're ever in the D or Bangkok, we've got a great place in Bangkok as well. If you're ever travelling, but um, great to talk to you. And let's keep in touch. Okay. okay. Have a great Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Bye. Good luck. See ya. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this creative conversation. Be sure to follow me on social media. I am Pup Duffy basically everywhere. You can follow the show on Facebook. It's Coffee, Candy, and Creatives. Head over to beunique.org. Like, follow, and support my beautiful humans over there. Be sure to check out my sponsor. And for your own sponsorship or interview opportunities, please email me at pup4ccc at gmail.com. If you like the music you're hearing, head on over to raleighkeegan.com and do yourself a favor and buy this album. You can download it or you can have a physical CD. You can also keep up to date on tour dates and future releases. As always, take care of each other, love each other, watch each other's back, and I'll see you next time.